I have been looking forward to this moment all week as we continue in John chapter 4. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4, we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about this passage, the woman at the well, which we have been on for, this will be our third week. Now, week one, if you'll recall, John chapter 4, verses 25 to 42 is where we are today. It's on page 1,224. Week one, we came to a conclusion that you must have an overwhelming need, desire, or craving to share Jesus with someone, or you just will not share Jesus with someone. Last week, Jesus showed us step-by-step in Scripture how to lead someone to knowledge and hopefully to faith in Him. We had those nine steps that we went through and pulled from Scripture last week, and I'll be happy if you're going, I'd really like to learn more about that and, and, and get better at that. I'd be happy to spend some time talking with you. You just reach out to me when it's convenient to you. Today, week three, somebody said, well, is this the last week we're going to be on it? And I go, well, I don't know. I'll find out tomorrow when the Lord gives me the marching orders for next week. But uh, Today, week three, I'd like to start with a word. It's a word that God placed on my heart weeks before we started this series. It's probably one of these words that I've been leading up to. A couple of people in this uh, building right now have validated that word to me because they have didn't know it, but they've said something, they've used this word, they've talked about this word, and They didn't know they were validating me, but in this week, God used it to encourage me. The word, contagion, contagion, C-O-N-T-A-G-I-O-N. It's defined as a contagious disease, the transmission of a disease by direct or indirect contact. But watch out, it's not just a disease, a contagious influence, quality, or nature. A rapid communication of an influence such as a doctrine or a teaching, an influence or something that spreads rapidly. Now, you know, I like to always start with something that grabs our interest. And this week, I racked my brain all week to come up with something that was considered very contagious, something that was spread easily from person to person, something that was just happening that way. And I have to tell you, I'm so disappointed. I couldn't come up with anything. I couldn't come up with any recent, decent example about contagious. Seriously. We all know or have known things that have spread very quickly, whether it be a sickness a viral video, a rumor, an announcement, bad news or good news. And so today, as we read into the scripture, I would like for us to see how the good news is contagious. ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 25 through 42. John chapter 4, picking up in verse 25 says, the woman said to him, that would be Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. 
Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, that saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to walk back through this. But before we begin to walk back through this scripture we just read, I made a statement right before we stood and read. I said, I would like for us to see how the good news is contagious. Well, the first thing I want to do is remind us of what the good news is. Now, Jesus has told us that a couple of times, even in this chapter already. If you've got your scripture open, which we just read from, look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Also in verse 14, Jesus shared with her, what the good news was is it says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then I've got one more passage I want to read to you. You can write this down in your notes. The whole backside of your call to action is notes today, by the way, if you want to write this down. But Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 15, talking about what is the good news. Let me read that. Romans chapter 10, picking up in verse 9, says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good joy. Now, did you notice just in that Romans passage right there, the good news is you have to confess Believe, and you will be saved. It's for everybody, no distinction, verse 12 said. Whoever, verse 13, calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And catch verse 14. How shall they call if they haven't believed? How they believe if they haven't heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless you are sent? You see that word preacher? If we're not careful, we're going to misread that. We're going to believe that at First Baptist Church, we got one guy scripturally in charge of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the preacher. And if he does a good job, we'll like him. If he does a good, do a good job, then we'll change him. But that's clearly his responsibility. But church, be careful. See, when you read Scripture, in Acts chapter 8, verse 31, it uses the same word. We're talking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You know how God sent him, and he told him to go and find this eunuch and share with him the gospel. In Acts 8, 31, it says this. The eunuch was asked, and he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? Same word. Preacher, someone. It's our responsibility. You see, you are someone. And when you know Jesus, you are someone who can be used of God to share the good news, the gospel. Amen? So let's go back to our scripture for today. Now that we've settled in on what the good news is and, and who we are, what our responsibility and role is in that, Verse 28, that woman left her water pot. She believes Jesus is the Christ, and she has now come to faith. And let's recall a few things we mentioned last week about this moment. Number one, she came for water, but she ended up leaving her pots behind. Number two, she came alone and isolated because of her life of sin and shame, but she left to go tell others. She came clinging to a religion, as you remember us talking about, but left knowing Jesus personally. Verse 28 says that she went back to the city and said to the men. Now, there's been a lot of commentary and a lot of conjecture over who she went and spoke to these men. Some have said that these men were people in her life, people that she knew and had a past with. Some said that it could have been those people gathered at the city gate. That's the meeting place in most towns during that day and time. Or that the word said to the men could have just been a general term for whomever she came in contact with, anyone, everyone. Now, regardless of what we know that to be, and all of those are reasonable, one thing is very clear. She went. And she allowed nothing to stop her from going. And as she went, she was talking about Jesus. We know that. What she had experienced in her life in that moment when she came to know Jesus in a personal way had become contagious. You know, hardly a day goes by or a week goes by for sure. I've already, I've already gotten a text this morning from a church member who said, I just tested positive. Now, many of us in this room, we've experienced that. Some of us haven't. But it's contagious. We get that. That's a common day example that Jesus wants to remind us of through his word, that when we come to meet Jesus, we should share it with other people. 
You know, we work really hard not to share things these days. We mask this, we wipe this, we glove this, we limit this, we do this, we separate this. The reality is, is church, that's not what Jesus would have us do as it relates to the gospel. We've got to be ready to share the gospel. So she allowed nothing to stop her from going in verse 29 says that she spoke, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. This is the Christ. And wait, church, it gets even better. Look what happens next. This woman who was shunned from community, who came to gather water in the noon time, when they heard her share her contagious news about Jesus. Verse 30 says that they went out of the city to go see him. They responded. They responded. Church, remember, you're just a vessel. What God's calling you to do, you are just a vessel. You're the carrier of the good news. God wants to use you, but don't be surprised when people respond. That's God working in their lives, drawing them to him, because Scripture says he doesn't want any to perish, but that all come to eternal life. It's God who works, it's God who moves, it's God who touches lives. But I want to hold this thought right here. Because she went and told, and verse 30 says, and then they went out of the city to go see him. So just sort of hold that thought right there. We will come back to that thought here in just a minute. Verse 31, in the meantime, see that transition right there? We've sort of gone to a separate place at the same time. It says, in the meantime, the disciples... They all come back. And as we discuss this, we're not going to talk about this section much. The disciples who had gone to get food, completely unaware of what's transpired while they were gone, all that occurred, or and all that occurred between the woman and Jesus, they came to meet Jesus' needs. And if you'll recall, and it says in verse 30, 34 that they offered him food, and he says, I've got good. He says, I'm good. My needs are met. And they're going, well, who gave him food? In verse 34, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Jesus' need, as we talked, was the will of the Father, his call, his craving, his desire, his necessity. And remember what we stated, without a need, a necessity in your life, a personal desire to share Jesus, you won't. And recall the woman who just left Jesus? She did. She went running, sharing, talking to everybody. Contagious. She wanted everybody to get a hold of this. Can I tell you that proof of a changed life in Christ is the desire to share about the changer of that life and help others come to that same understanding. But it gets even better. Look at verse 35. Jesus brings up a common saying at that time. It says, do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Let me give you a Jeff paraphrase. Do you not think there's always plenty of time left? And that what we think? Relative of a church member this week, Actually, it was the end of the week prior. Young age, younger than me. 
died in their sleep, just like that. We always think there's more time. How many of you have, you have missed out on something because there was a sale or there was an opportunity and you go, there's plenty of opportunities there, I'll get mine, and by the time you get around to it, it's all gone. See, we always think that there's plenty of time. Jesus says, you guys say there's four months and then the harvest. So for four months, we don't have much to do. We can not do much. Jesus said, but I say to you, and I think that's always great when Jesus says, you say, but I say. You remember how the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to teach. You say, but I say. Church, anytime you hear that, Jesus say, you say, but I say, you got a choice to make. Who are you going to listen to? And Jesus said here in verse 35, but I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white with harvest. Just paraphrase, Jesus says, the time is now. The time is always now. Now is the time. There's not always time to wait. Lives will end abruptly at times. And I could share many examples, but we all know that it's true. And if we're not careful, we could miss a really important point, a life-changing point. Now, this is where God opened my eyes up, and I saw something that I hadn't really put together. Jesus told the disciples to do something. Go back and look at that verse. He said, lift up your eyes and look. Jesus is saying, Look now. He didn't say look in four months. He said right now, look. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Remember a minute ago, I, I got you to a point and I said, let's just stop here for a second. Well, let's go back to it for just a second. Remember the woman went into town and she shared about Jesus? And verse 30 said that those people came out to see him. And then we went in the meantime where Jesus is saying, hey, don't wait. The harvest is now. It's time. Now, here's where those two moments collide. The harvest, Jesus mentions, now, I can't be certain of this statement. I believe it's accurate. I believe it's reasonable. I absolutely believe it's applicable to our lives. The harvest that Jesus is specifically talking about in that moment that he told the disciples, look and see the things he tells them to be ready to look, are the people coming to Jesus in that exact moment? Jesus is, par my Jeff paraphrase of what Jesus says is, boys, look at them. Here they come. Here they come, boys. They need to hear the gospel. They're right in front of you. Here they come. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, boys, look. Here they come. You know, so many times we take Scripture and we make it a good teaching moment, but we never make it a good action moment. We know stuff, but we don't do stuff. James talks about that, how we need to be people who don't just know stuff. We have to be people who do stuff. And Jesus says, boys, remember all that teaching? I've been sharing to you about who I am and the gospel and the Father's love and all that stuff. Here it comes. It's time to share. Verse 39 says, And many Samaritans of that city 
believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified. You see, spiritual revival is breaking out because God moved. And a woman responded. And then she shared with everybody that she could come in contact with, people right in front of her. Contagious. The transmission of something by direct or indirect contact. A contagious influence, quality, or nature. Rapid communication of an influence such as a doctrine or a teaching. Influence that spreads rapidly. I believe a truly transformed and obedient life in Christ will not just share Christ, but they will be compelled, driven, unstoppable in their desire for people to come see a man. Just imagine when that woman went into town. She probably walked up to the first group of people and said, you got to come see this man. And they might have pushed her to the side and said, forget it, we don't. She's not going to let that stop her. She went to somebody else. You got to come see this man. You got to come see this man. And she told everybody that she could. Compelled, driven, unstoppable. Now, this, this revival that I believe occurred right here was not just a momentary thing. Look at what it says. Verse 39. Many believed because of the woman's testimony. Verse 40. They asked Jesus to stay with them. You know what they said to Jesus? Please don't leave. Cultural stuff no longer mattered. Gender stuff no longer mattered. Race stuff no longer mattered. Religious stuff no longer mattered. What everybody had become to clear to understand is what matters is Jesus and coming into the right relationship with the Father through Jesus. And these people who had been hated by each other for over 700 years, we've talked about a couple weeks ago, they came to Jesus and they said, please don't leave. And so I stopped and I asked myself, why? Why did they want Jesus to stay? Church, it's a really simple point. You're probably already there, but let me come to you the way I, it took me. They already got what they need. They already said they know Jesus. Well, I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. You can go now. That's not what happened, is it? They said, now that I know you, will you stay? You see, they had met Jesus. They had believed. They were saved. So why have Jesus stay longer? Well, to me, I believe it happens for a single reason. Because they had so many other people that they wanted to bring to Jesus. They said, would you just stay? Can you come into town, stay a couple of days with us? We promise you we'll go get our friends. We'll go get our family members. We promise you that we'll bring everybody that we can find. If you'll just stay because they realized how important it was and how contagious the gospel, the good news of Jesus, can become in changing a life. Verse 40 says that he stayed. And verse 41, let's look at verse 41 together. Look at verse 40 at the end. It says, and he stayed there two days. Everybody see that? 
verse 41. After agreeing to stay, it's a different set of people, and because he stayed, many more people believed. Many more. Because of his words. And then these people that had come to know Jesus, these townspeople that the woman had invited, they came to her and they said to her, now we believe. Not because of what you said, and I don't think they mean that derogatory, but because we have met him. Church, that makes all the difference in the world. People can hear about and hear about and hear about and hear about all they want to, but when they meet Jesus... It's a difference maker. It'll change. I believe somewhere in there, there's probably this thinly veiled thank you note that they're sending to this lady. We now believe, not because of your word, but thank you for your word. Thank you that you came in and you didn't... Avoid us like we've been avoiding you. Thank you for sharing with us the truth. Thank you for being willing to be heard and seen because we know you really don't like that. Thank you. Now, at another time in ministry, I'm leaving John chapter 4 for just a minute, and I'm going to Matthew chapter 9. I just want to read three verses to you in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says this. Thank you for turning. I'm going to wait just a minute. Matthew chapter 9, when you get there, go to verse 35. If you've got your finger in John, you can let that finger go. We're not going back there. Matthew chapter 9. When you get to Matthew chapter 9, let me read verses 35 to 38, the rest of the chapter. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, church, you notice that word, multitudes? That's not a handful. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Did you notice it says his harvest? God's already working. He's always working. And he desires people to come to know him, and he is moving and working, moving and working, and then we get the privilege. Remember when we read earlier in John chapter 4 that sometimes you get to reap where you didn't sow? What a blessing. I mean, what a blessing to be able to be involved and used by God at a moment without having to do all that other work. But it also said sometimes you uh, sow and you don't get to reap. We're always called to be about the action of the gospel. Verse 37, he told the disciples, I'm still in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And it was so puzzling. 
He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I can't understand this. I just shut down for a little while, just trying to really think about this for a second. How there are people that are desiring because of the movement of God to come to know Christ. And all they need is somebody to go and be used by God to help gather, to help reap, to help harvest. I can't understand this because one day, in my sin, in my failure, in my need, in my selfishness, God used someone to tell me about Jesus. And on that day, me and you, when God used that person to help us know about Jesus, our lives were changed forever and we became saved. How is it possible that something that awesome, that life-changing, that important, how in the world are you able to keep it in? Now, I've shared with you before, and I wasn't planning on sharing it right now, but I'm going to because the Lord just laid it on my heart. We've had some good things happen in our lives before. But I have shared with you, church, and if you're new, you're saying, I've never heard this before. After years of trying for a child, the Lord finally allowed us to become parents. And on the night that we found out that Angela was pregnant, it was after midnight. We got up, we got dressed, we left the house, and we went to many places, banging on doors, waking people up, sharing the good news. And as precious as that boy was, and as precious as the second boy was, and as precious as that grandbaby is, The good news of Jesus Christ is better news. But yet we will shout from the mountaintops, we're going to have a baby. But when our lives are changed eternally, we just clam up. And Jesus says, boys, pray that the Lord makes you a laborer. Pray that the Lord through his word teaches you to go into the field, to be used by him. Because if we had a chance to sit down and talk with each other, we would easily be able to come up with people in your life that you know that need to know Jesus. I don't doubt that for a moment. And if you don't know anybody that doesn't need to know Jesus, then let me introduce you to some people. You need to know people who don't know Jesus. It's your very cause for being alive. Church, I'm praying that the Lord will send out harvests into our fields. I'm praying for your salvation to become so real that you cannot help but share it, that you cannot help but be contagious. I'm praying for you 
to live, to lift your eyes and to look right in front of you. There's probably somebody that you can talk to Jesus about. I've mentioned this three weeks in a row now. I believe God desires to do something really, really, really big among us. But he's waiting on us to yield ourselves completely to him. Church, what will you do today? God's working. What are you going to do today?